and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Yes. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently. Let's lift his name up together. Sing, oh Lord, my God. Oh Lord, my God. When I in awesome wonder consider all the world's I hands have made, I see
that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, would call you a son, would call you a daughter today. How he looks on you as he looks on Jesus with extreme, extreme pleasure. Would, would it be that we would bask today in us being sons and daughters of the Most High King? Let's sing about it. Who am I that the highest King would I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. So let's declare this truth. Who the sun? Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable now in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hello, welcome. So glad you're here. We're diving into week four of Women's Bible Study. Uh, for those of you that are joining, maybe for the first time, welcome. We're excited that you're here. Um, I just wanted to give you a little piece of advice. Um, if you really, really want a book and you haven't had the opportunity to pick one up, um, we are now going to be bringing them to the Saturday night service. Um, so if you RSVP to attend the outdoor service at Village Christian uh, with our church, um, Renee and I will have have a whole stack of these waiting for you. So um, if you're somebody who maybe didn't make it to pick up and thought, man, this book, this little book is cute and I want it, uh, we have more copies. You can pick them up at the Saturday night service uh, for the next few weeks, they'll be available. So wanted to give you that shout out. Um, today we are diving in uh, and we're doing, we're doing big stuff today. We're gonna go to the gift of healing. We're gonna see that today and we're gonna talk about that. Um, I'm excited for what God has in store for us. I don't know about you, but I have felt some anticipation uh, in this series of, Lord, it feels like you're stirring. Uh, we had an earthquake this past week. There are fires. There are things happening in our world and nation, and it feels like I'm expectant that God wants to do something or speak in to this time, to this place, to us, uh, his followers. So um, yeah, I want to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to dive in and talk about boldness redefined, uh, really defining boldness through the lens of the Holy Spirit and not our worldly lens. So uh, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we're here today. I thank you for each woman that's watching. Lord, uh, we are hungry. We're expectant for what you want to do in us and through us in this season. And so we posture ourselves before you and say, Lord, have your way. Uh, let your spirit come. Would you anoint us with a fresh, fresh breath uh, from your Holy Spirit? So we thank you for today. We thank you for the word of God that is active and alive. And we pray you speak to us now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right, guys, so we're diving in today, and the topic is called Boldness Redefined. And I wonder right now, sitting wherever you're sitting, um, when you hear the word bold, what do you think of? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is those lipstick ads with the bright, bold colors like the red and the pink, and they're like, be bold. Uh, there's a new show out called The Bold Type. It's got into, maybe it's a season or two out. It's about these young girls uh, trying to be bold in the city of New York. They're working for uh, a magazine, and they're taking risks with fashion and in life and dating. They're being bold. Uh, I think our world loves this concept of what it means to be bold, but what I want to explore today is the difference of being bold in your skin for your glory, for your power, wearing bold lipstick and making a statement, uh, and what it means when the Spirit, when we're bold in the Spirit. It's, it's the next level of almost entering the unseen. There is a boldness available to us, and the difference between worldly boldness where we're bold for ourselves is that in the end, we get the glory and we get the attention and we get the praise. And I think what we're seeing today in this text is that when we allow the Holy Spirit to be bold through us, uh, it points to a greater God. It points to a greater purpose. It points back up to Jesus and he is put on display in our lives. The boldness directs to him and not to us. And so uh, that's what we're going to explore today. Uh, I want to start by reading you. We're going to dive into the text. We're not going to get to all of it today. It's, uh, there's two chapters, so I'm just going to skim and highlight certain parts, but uh, we're going to dive in. So if you're reading, you can follow along on the screen. We're going right into Acts 3, uh, verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse six, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went on with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. All right. 
So we're entering a scene where a man is healed. And I want to explore this scene a little bit because I think that this is a pretty common scene that you and I see every day. And I think also it was pretty common back then. So um, there is a man who has been, as we know, um, crippled since birth. And he has his post. He has his spot. Uh, For those of us who drive around Los Angeles a lot, you will know that often people go to the same territories. There is a place where they like to camp, uh, where they're comfortable where they ask uh, for money and they have the same clientele every single day. There's certain corners I can think of in Los Angeles where I usually see the same person um, with the same sign asking for money. And so this is no different back in their time. This beggar had chosen a spot where he made his money, where he got his livelihood, where his income. Um, and when I, when I was reading this, I was thinking about the fact that if this was the man's spot, Um, then he was probably there often. And as we know, uh, the Jews in the time would go to the temple three times a day. So here Peter and John are doing their normal post at three o'clock. They're going to the temple for prayer. And Jesus would have been with them when he was alive and on earth. Uh, He would have been walking with them to the temple. So we can imagine that Peter and John have passed this man multiple times and that Jesus himself has passed this man multiple times if this is the man's spot. Um, And I love thinking about that the gate is called beautiful. Doesn't God do some of the most beautiful work uh, in people who are in situations where they're stuck and where there's no hope? And so we see this interaction. Peter and John walk by him and he asks them for money. And what Peter, how Peter responds is he says, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Stand up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk. Um, Was this a comment on Peter and John being poor? I don't think so. Um, At this time, all the disciples had come together and they started pooling their money. And if you'll remember, they started selling stuff and property and combining it. So we can imagine that they that they probably had money at this time that they had access. So whether they're saying, I don't have money on me, or whether they're saying, that's not what you actually need, we don't know. Uh, But what we do know is that they see this man and they see his need. They see to the core, to the root of what he actually is struggling with. It's not money he's actually looking for. He's looking for life. He's looking for dignity. He's looking for a way that he can earn his own living besides having to be carried in and beg at the same corner. Uh, And so Peter, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So Peter exercised a gift of the spirit. And what I wanna do today is I want us to read a passage in Corinthians that talks about the gifts of the spirit because what we see in this passage happening is the gift of healing. So I wanna jump us to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses seven through 11. I want us today to explore uh, what the gifts of the spirit are and then we're gonna talk about how they play out here. So um, this will also be on your screen. You can join me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven through 11. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. I'm going to pause there. Uh, No matter who you are, no matter what stage you are at in following Christ, when you become a believer of Jesus Christ, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given. So all of you, every single one of you who are a believer of Jesus, who have received him as your savior, um, all of us have been given gifts in the spirit and it's all one spirit and there's just different gifts. So we're all one body. We all have different roles. Uh, We're going to read about what the different gifts are, but I want to encourage you today. You have been given a form, if not multiple forms of the manifestation of the spirit in your life. And so if you've never thought about what your spiritual gifts are or what the Holy Spirit could do through you, um, I want you to just hear this as I read it. And I want you to, I just want you to listen. What spikes your ears? What feels like, oh, maybe maybe I have that and I never thought of that. Or what gifts are exciting to you that you want to pray into? I'm going to read. You can listen. Uh, verse, starting in verse 8. This is the different gifts of the Spirit. It says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of these tongues. And then in verse 11 it says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one 
just as he determines. So what we learn in this passage is that God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us different gifts. All of us have a gift. Some of us can have multiple gifts. But what I want to say today to us as we study this scripture, as we're trying to apply the word of God to our lives, I want you to know that the gifts of the Spirit, we believe, are alive and active and that they are available for everyone. So whether you have one gift, whether you have multiple gifts, um, I believe is a matter of you kind of tuning in to what the Spirit wants to do for through and with you. Um, and later on in this chapter, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say, but you should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. If you, you might have the gifts of knowledge, it's okay. It's encouraged to desire the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy. Uh, it is, it's an open invitation for us to desire the spiritual gifts. And so I wonder when you heard that today, right now, the different gifts, what is a gift that you think that you might potentially have? And what is a gift that you're like, I want that. Every time I read this passage, I think, man, I want the gift of healing. Um, and so what we're going to talk about today a little bit is what the gift of healing means, specifically focusing in on that gift and what it means for us today. So we believe uh, that the gifts are still active and alive and that the gift of healing is still relevant and active and available to us in this time. But what I want to do is I want to expand our mind to think beyond just physical healing. Uh, we serve a God of wholeness who offers human dignity to each and every one of his creations. And I believe that there's more than just physical healings uh, that take place. When God says he gives us the gift of healing, uh, I want us to consider that there is such things as emotional healing, healing from trauma, from past wounds, from words that have been spoken over us. I believe that there's spiritual healing. I believe that there's deliverance um, from the occult, from demons, from things that different spirits that are out there, that God can deliver us and heal us from spiritual uh, warfare and things that we battle. I also believe there's psychological healing. I believe sometimes our mind gets off and I believe that God can restore that. And then as we see today, um, there is physical healing. So the question that many of you are probably asking is, Coley, how does this work? Is there a formula? Is there a way? How do we do the same thing that Peter and John did? How do we know it's going to work if we have the gift of healing? And what I want to encourage us today as we sit in this text, I want to just encourage us to think about we don't know why God chooses to heal who he does and who he doesn't heal. As you can see in this story, uh, I believe Jesus passed this man probably multiple times. And for whatever reason, Jesus didn't heal him when he passed him. He gave Peter and John the ability and the authority of a certain time and place to put his glory on display. And we don't know why he chose Peter and John. We don't know why he chose this day. We don't know why he chose this man. What we do know is that God chose to heal a man to give himself glory. So the first point that I wanna make today is that it's not as much about the healing as it is the healer. When Jesus was on earth, he healed a bunch of people, but he did not heal every single person he came in contact with. Jesus could easily touch everybody in the crowd and everyone would have been healed. And he didn't do that in his ministry, which leads me to believe that Jesus has a specific reason for why he heals when he heals. And I believe it's to put himself on display. Ultimately, Jesus is pointing us to know that he is the true healer, that he is ultimately at the end, he's going to come back and he's going to restore the earth and there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, and there will be no more anguish. There will only be goodness. Jesus is the ultimate healer and what he does in his ministry is he gives us tastes of his power, tastes of his present, tastes of what the spirit can do to ultimately draw us to the to the real healer, Jesus Christ. And so in this story, we see this man and he jumps up. He starts walking. And the first thing he does is he starts praising the Lord. Jesus puts his display, his power on display uh, in this man's life. This is boldness. Peter boldly proclaims that in the name of Jesus Christ, under, other, under which no other name under heaven can we be saved. He declares in the name of Jesus Christ walk and we instantly see this man healed. And what a gift it is. So he gets up, he's jumping, he's praising. The first thing we see in this passage is we see a healing. 
Now, I wonder wherever you're at today in your theology and your walk with Christ, one thing I want to point out is that in this specific instance, we don't see God say anything about the man's faith. And we know that God heals in a variety of different ways. In this case, it's Peter declaring it. Uh, The woman who comes up and touches Jesus, who's been bleeding, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. What I want you to hear today is if you've ever prayed for healing and it didn't, you didn't receive it, I want you to know it's not a lack of your faith. Jesus chooses to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to each one for his purposes, and it doesn't work on formula. Sometimes God heals, sometimes he doesn't. That's the mystery of Christ. And so if you've ever prayed for healing and didn't receive it, I want to encourage you, it was not because of a lack of faith. You may not have the gift of healing, or God might have had different plans. Again, Jesus passed this man regularly and never chose to heal him until this time because he had a specific assignment for Peter and John, and he wanted to put this man's life on display for his glory. God works for his purposes and his ways, which in Isaiah says are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't ever fully understand how or why God works. That's part of his mystery. That's part of his sovereignty. But what I want to encourage us in today is what Paul talks about. We are encouraged to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I want us to take a heart posture of praying for the gifts that we don't have. I want to encourage you to pray to have the gift of healing. Pray that people in your life are healed. I believe God seeks people that are willing to follow him, that are hungry for him. And so what I take from this is I don't know if you have the gift of healing or not, but I do believe God asks us to desire it, to seek after it, to chase him, to ask to be able to heal people. And I know in my own life experience, I've seen healings. God does still heal today. That gift is not dead. I don't think it's maybe as abundant as it was in that time in Western society in America today, but I know that we serve a God that can heal. And so I want to encourage you today as disciples, as those chasing after the Spirit, to be bold in asking for the gifts. Ask for the gift of healing. Pray for it. Seek him. We're doing a 21-day fast right now. In your fasting, in your prayer time, ask the Lord what gifts you have and tell him the ones that you want. Say, God, I want to be a healer. I believe that you and I are championed as children of Christ to ask for gifts of healing and to continue to seek healing and pray for it. So I want to encourage you in that today. Um, Some of you will know the story of Amy Semple McPherson. She is the founder of the Four Square Church and affiliated strongly with the Pentecostal movement in the world. Um, And Amy Semple McPherson um, had a very strong gifting on her life from the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit working through her. It was not Amy. It was the Holy Spirit at work manifesting himself in her life. And one of the ministries she had is she had a healing ministry. And when I was reading her autobiography, it became known that when she went to different towns that she would heal people. And so there was kind of this stirring, this movement. Um, And so one of the small towns she went to, she was preaching, I believe, in an old schoolhouse and word had gotten out that she was coming. And so people brought people who were sick, who were crippled, who were disabled from all over the surrounding community. And in this account that I read, it said people were on the roof, people were crawling through windows. There were so many people that wanted to be healed that they came from miles and miles and miles around for her to be healed. Well, at the same time, as you can imagine, atheists and skeptics, they did not want this word to get out that she was healing and they didn't believe it. They're like, there's no way this is actually real. There must be some kind of hypnosis. And so what happened is all these reporters came out and reported would document each person and their ailment and what happened. And then what they would do is they would try to prove the healings didn't, didn't exist. And so they would follow up week after the next week, all to show they were trying to show that this isn't real. God doesn't actually move. He can't heal. And every single one of her healings that was recorded was proved that it was a real healing and recorded. And on one day, that one day in that little schoolhouse with people crawling through the roof, Amy Semple McPherson had over 600 healings in one day that were later verified and proved by skeptics from the newspaper who were trying to show that it wasn't real. We believe that God still heals today and wants to heal, but it's not a formula. 
All we know is that we are invited to pray for and ask for the gift of healing and to receive it like any other gift in faith and put it to practice to try it out. So I wanna encourage you, Ask the Lord this week. Ask him for the gift of healing and start praying that those in your life would be healed. That's the invitation we're given. And we see from this example that um, Jesus does still heal. The Holy Spirit's powers are alive. And in his name, this man got up and walked. So that's the first point I want to make today. It's not about the healing. It's more about the healer. Jesus is using the gifts of the Spirit to direct us to who he is. Uh, I want to continue reading on. We're going to jump into Acts 3, 11 through 16. So this man gets up. He starts jumping. Uh, Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? I love that. I love Peter's boldness in the account of Acts. Just that straightforward, like, yo, why does this surprise you? Uh, verse, Verse going on in verse 12. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, the man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the face that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. The second point I wanna make today is an important one as we pray about receiving gifts of the spirit and putting them into action. It matters where the praise goes. It matters where the praise goes. As you can see, Peter just performed a miracle. The Holy Spirit moved through him and healed a man. And the first thing Peter does, which I think makes such a difference in the course of human history and in the ministry, is the first thing that Peter says is he says, why are you surprised? It wasn't us, we didn't do this. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God that you killed, Jesus Christ, he did this. The first thing Peter does is he turns the praise back to God. You and I, in our pursuit of boldness, um, may be tempted to turn the glory for ourselves, right? It would have been super easy for Peter, who just healed somebody, to say, wow, I must, I must have had a lot of faith. Like, I, that fasting was working. Man, I can't, I can't believe God chose me to do that. Like, this is, I got power. I could go heal a bunch of people. No, 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 no. The first thing that Peter does is he makes it super well known. Friends, Israelites, anybody who saw this, I want you to know right now, this was not me. This is God. Boldness redefined means that we point every good thing that happens in our life to Jesus. Every single thing that God does through us, we don't take the credit for, though it can be tempting, right? Though it can be tempting to say, wow, Peter's the most special apostle. Wow, Peter is favored. Wow, God must really love Peter. Look at what he did through him. It's not about that. Peter instantly tells the story, shoots it right back and says, Fellow Israelites, this is not about me. I'm nobody special. This is all about God. His glory is on display. And I think that that is a lesson that we need to take into account today. When we do good things, when, we, when God uses us, it's really not about us getting the credit right? It's about redirecting people and saying, no, 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 it wasn't, that wasn't me. It, that was all God. That's how good my God is. That's how amazing he is, that he used me, a normal broken sinner, to do something miraculous. God is looking for vessels to place his power in, and the second that vessel claims that power as his own, God can't use that vessel because suddenly the power got tainted for someone's name. God's looking for vessels who will allow him to work through them to give him glory. And I just wonder as a community, and just a moment of reflection, I wanna ask, are we giving God the glory? Uh, You might not have healed anybody this week, but have you done anything uh, in the name of Jesus? Have you done an act of service? Have you, done, have you given money to someone? Have you been charitable? Have, have we done anything this week 
that was for the, for the reason, for the mission of Jesus? And have we taken the glory for ourselves? Have we let people think, oh, she's such an amazing giver. Wow, she really is a servant. Wow, that, she is the most loving person I've ever seen. Are we taking the glory for ourselves or are we giving all the praise to Jesus? When I read this passage, it makes me love Peter that much more. That Peter, who had just disowned Jesus, who was probably looking for a little bit of redemption, who probably wanted to be seen as a man of respect in the eyes of his fellow disciples and fellow Jews, he instantly does not take the credit. He says, it's not me, I'm not worthy. This is all about the power of God. Are you and I, with our life, with our actions, with our words, are we giving God the glory for everything in our lives, for our families, for our marriages, for our kids, for our finances, for our jobs, for our successes, for all of our relationships? Everything we have that's good, ultimately belongs to God and is a gift from him. So are we giving God the glory he deserves? It matters where our praise goes because when people are lost and they're looking for hope, uh, they're gonna look for answers. And if they think that we're the answer, if they think that we had the power, if we had the ability, people are gonna try to become their own gods. They're gonna try to become like us. And really, we, you and I know that that's, that's not true, that we're just ordinary people who are saved by the grace and mercy of a loving God who he chooses to use to put on display. Are you letting God use your life to display his glory or are you asking God to give you power for your own glory? That's a personal reflection question. I'm gonna let you sit with that. Um, I wanna r- jump us to uh, Luke 11:13. And this is Jesus talking. He says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is a God of abundance and he wants to give you the good gift of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you spiritual gifts. He wants to give you good things because he loves you and he cares for you. So when we ask for the gifts of the Spirit, Are we using them for his glory? Are we using them for our glory? Um, I wanna encourage you that God wants to do really big things in you uh, through your life. So in this moment, in this season, in this week, will you spend some time just surrendering and saying, God, use me however you want. I want the gifts, you take all the glory. I will give you all the credit. I'll give you all the praise. Where our praise goes matters because it's kind of like the rudder of the ship. It directs people right? If you say, oh, that was me. I, was, I prayed a lot and I fasted today. That's why I got the gift of healing. People are going to put all their effort on their human actions. They're going to say, I got to pray and fast to do that. But if you say, no, God, this was all God, then it just draws people closer to the source, closer to the Father, and they can build a relationship with him. Um, we're going to jump on to the next one. I'm going to skip a little bit. We're going to go to Acts 4, 7 through 20. Um, so I'm going to start us off. Actually, I'll start us off in verse 5. Um, so what happens is the man is healed. Then Peter rebukes them and says, no, 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 this isn't me. This is God. Um, and then everybody starts to find out. Word starts to spread. And this is where we find ourselves. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Verse 6. Uh, Anus, the high priest, was there, and so was Cephesus, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So my third point today is this. Trials bring out truth. 
So we see right here, the Sadducees come, the Sanhedrin comes. Uh, suddenly something bold has happened in the communities and now the leaders are scrambling because they need to find an out. They cannot let this get out that God healed somebody because they're trying to keep the power structure for themselves. Um, the Sanhedrin was made up of about 70 people and this was the same council that put Jesus Christ on trial. So a few months before they were testifying Jesus and now they hear that a man has been healed in his name. So they call in Peter and John and they say, how did you do this? By what name are you healing in? So suddenly the authorities are brought in, the judicial system's brought in. They're suddenly on trial. Trials bring out truth. If you are going through something hard in this season, if you feel like you're being called to account for something, I want to encourage you to pray into that and ask that God's truth is shown in your life, in your situation, that he comes to the surface out of it. So we see that um, Peter and John are getting pressed on every side. They're getting called to make an account for this. Uh, there is a lot, I imagine, of anger and hatred in this room. The whole Sanhedrin is afraid that this is gonna get out, and so they wanna try to squelch it as soon as possible. And what do Peter and John do? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, flips the case. So they're on trial, what does he do? He flips it on them. He says, rulers and elders of the people, if you're being called, account today for an act of kindness to a man who was lame and now healed. Know this, you who crucified God, uh, he has raised him from the dead. Peter spins the tables. He says, no, we're not on trial. You're on trial. You crucified this Jesus, whom was the one in his name this man was healed. Trials bring out truth. Have you ever been in a situation in your life that you didn't think you were gonna make it out of? Maybe it was a relationship. Uh, maybe it was a conflict with a family member. Maybe it was a trial at work. Uh, Peter and John, there's reason for them to hold them. Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, they rise to the trial. They say, you bring it on. We're gonna bring it right back at you. Who actually killed Jesus? You killed Jesus. And that Jesus who you killed is now raised from the dead and his power exists for his followers. So who did we heal this man by? We healed him in the name of Jesus. The man you crucified is the man who healed him. You stand and be the judge. Going on in verse 13. The Sanhedrin is putting them on trial, and this is what we see. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which must, which must be saved. That's verse 12. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus one of my favorite verses of the whole book of Acts. These men, they saw Peter and John. They recognized, oh, these are fishermen. They don't, they don't study the law like us. They don't know the Torah. They, how are they doing this? Uh, the only way they could have done this is they have been with Jesus. They know something we don't know. When people look at your life, what do they see? What do they take note of? Where does your power come from? What is your essence? Where does your boldness come from? What is your boldness about? When the Sanhedrin looked at Peter and John, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Are you and I getting together with Jesus? When people see you, do they think, man, she has been with Jesus. The power that's on display in her life, the way she lives, the way she loves others that are really difficult to love, the way that she forgives, the way that she follows, the light that's in her, the joy that's in her in the COVID season, she has been with Jesus. She has a power not of her own. What we see in this situation is there is nothing special about Peter and John, save that the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's boldness is taking root in them. I wanna encourage you today, sisters in Christ, the Lord wants to send the Holy Spirit to take root in you. He wants to display how great he is and he uses normal, ordinary people like us to put himself on display. I love that verse. I'm gonna uh, continue on for the sake of time. Verse 14, 
But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Verse 18, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. That last verse, verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Um, I did a Campus Crusade summer project when I was in college, and the mission was uh, to live for Jesus Christ wherever we were. So a group of 60 of us gathered in a city. We all got jobs. I worked at a pool. Some of my friends worked at Jamba Juice. Others worked in cleaning maintenance. We all got normal jobs. And the point was, where can we be a light? Where can we be a witness? And that summer, all 60 of us called students from all over the world uh, got together and we prayed and we prayed that the Lord would give us a word or a vision and Acts 4.20 is the mission, was the mission of our summer. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You and I are called to be witnesses of what we've seen and heard. And so that summer with those 60 college students, we set out each day to see God at work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Every day we woke up and we prayed, Lord, show us who you are today. Show us how I can be a light. Show us your power in us. We recognize that we're college students. We don't have any money. We don't have any power. We don't have any authority. We don't have anything, but we have you. So use us every single day and allow us to give witness to what you've seen and done. And one of the things we did that summer is every night when we got back to camp, we would go around and we would share ways that we had seen Jesus at work. Uh, it was little, sometimes little things like my coworker asked me what church I went to and said she wanted to come this week. Others that said I shared the whole gospel with somebody on the street and they came to know Jesus and were praying for this new believer. But everybody would report ways that they had seen God move. And then what happened is out of that, we all talked about it. We all took note that all of us ordinary, weird, screwed up college kids had done something for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Are you chasing after what God has planned for your life? Are you looking for what he's doing in your life and others' lives? Are you speaking about what you've seen him do? Uh, Peter and John, they couldn't help but speaking. They said, you can tell us not to speak in Jesus' name, but we saw what he did. We, we just saw a man healed in the name of Jesus. We cannot help but speak about that. We can't help but tell our neighbors. We can't help but celebrate and praise what God's done. So you be the judge of who's right, but we're going to share the truth that we've seen. God's truth speaks for itself. If you see God do something in your life, there is no force under heaven that can stop what you've seen and what you've experienced. That's your personal testimony. So I want to encourage you today. I want you to think about what in this season, what have you seen God do? It might not have been through you. It might have been through a neighbor, a friend, someone in your Bible study group. But what are the ways that you have seen God move? I've seen God answer so many prayer requests in this COVID season um, from people getting jobs, people finding housing who were almost forced out of their rent, people um, have family members that are far from God coming to the Lord. There's so many things that in this trial season that God's doing that you and I can be witnesses of and testify to and be bold in of saying, no, I saw it. I know the Lord is real. He's worked in my life. He's worked in my friend's life. I've seen it. I can't help but speak and share about what I've seen him do. What have you seen him do in this season? Will you pray about it and will you tell somebody today what you've seen God do? 
uh, carrying on to this last little part. Um, so what happens is they said, we can't, we can't help, but we're going to speak about it. So then what they do, verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had to say to them. So they go back and they tell everybody. And the first thing they do, uh, verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the whole earth and the whole sea and everything in them. You spoke through the Holy Spirit, your mouth of your servant, our father David. The first thing they go back and do is they praise. They praise God because they understand that all of this happened because of him. That God chose to use them to heal a man. What an amazing power. What amazing gift. They recognize instantly it wasn't us. It was him. And they come back and they praise. And in verse 29, this is how they close their prayer. And this is how I want to close our time together today. In verse 29, it says, now Lord, Consider their threats. This is the threats of the Sanhedrin who says, don't talk about Jesus. Don't do anything else in his name. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. One of the ways that you and I will know if the Holy Spirit is working in our lives is by what we just saw in this passage. Are we speaking boldly and are we available for God to perform signs and wonders through us? I believe that there is a hunger in this season for more truth, more power, more reality from the author of life himself, Jesus. I believe that you and I as a people, as we study the book of Acts, that God's stirring in us a desire to go deeper into his spirit, deeper into our obedience to Christ, deeper into our faith and ability to believe, God, you can do anything through any of us because we're just ordinary vessels that you empower to put your name on display. I wanna invite you to consider where does the Lord want to use you this week? Who in your life needs to hear a bold word? Who needs to hear about a way that God's ministered to you in the past? Who needs to be invited into this community? Who's on the outskirts and searching for answers in all the wrong places without hope and needs to be brought to the gospel to experience freedom and new life? You and I have boldness in the Holy Spirit that unmatches, does not rival any boldness that you and I can have in and of ourselves. So if you, if you hear this message and think, man, I gotta try harder, I gotta puff up, I gotta, I gotta do more, I gotta get my spiritual game on, I don't think you heard the message. <laughs> it's not about you and I doing more or being more. It's about us realizing that we're ordinary people and that because we serve a God of all power who chooses to use his people, you and I can ask for his power and start practicing it and putting his name on display and saying, it's, it's Jesus, it's not me. Jesus did that, isn't he amazing? I wanna pray for us this week that we would be people of faith who eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. What gift do you desire? Will you pray for it with me this week? Will you ask the Lord, Lord, I want the gift of prophecy. Lord, I want the gift of wisdom. I want words of knowledge. Lord, I want the gift of healing. Will you seek after the Lord for this. And as the Lord says in Luke 11, he says, does not your father give good gifts? Does not he give the Holy Spirit even more to those who ask? Will we be people that ask for more of the Holy Spirit's power to be bold for Jesus? I want to hear your stories. I want to hear your experiences. I believe God is raising up a tribe of women who are chasing after him with all they are. And I believe that he's put a hunger in us for his spirit and boldness. And I believe he's going to answer us this week when we pray. Will you pray with me right now? Father, you are so, so, so good. Your power is unmatchable in all the earth. You are the sovereign Lord. You're the alpha, the omega, the beginning of the end. And yet you call us, your servants, uh, to ask for more of your spirit, for more of your power. And you give as a good father gives in abundance. So Lord, we ask right now, wherever we are, Lord, we ask for more of your power, for more of your spirit 
to put the name of Jesus Christ on display. We are vessels, God, we open our hearts to you. Would you give us the gift of the Spirit this week that you want us to use and practice? Lord, whatever it is that our sisters are asking for, we pray in faith that you would deliver this good gift and that we would use it for your glory, that we would be bold for your name. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us. And we thank you that we get to be partners with you in the gospel mission. I pray for each of my sisters in Christ today in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, friends. I hope you have a great week and I wanna hear about how you are being bold in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, for the mission of the kingdom of heaven.